Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> Got a little extra who in there for you today. Well, that's because this is a pretty exciting topic. Oh yeah. Super <laughs> exciting, super glamorous. Uh, not glamorous, maybe, but definitely exciting. Um, we're going to talk about athlete's foot, and athlete's foot is really hard to deal with. It's just challenging. Yeah, yeah, it can be really obstinate. It takes some time to work through. So um, a key message today will be don't give up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but hey, before we do that, we should say, and we also want to say, that we are not doctors. We're herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in our podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the U.S., so these discussions are for educational purposes only. Everyone's body is different, so the things we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but they should give you some information to think about and some ideas to research further. Also, we want to remind you that your good health is your own personal responsibility. The final decision in considering any course of therapy, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by your physician, is always yours. Yeah. All right, so let's get to this. Um, uh, Athlete's foot is a fungal skin infection. And there are others that are kind of similar, and um, by the way, all of the things that we're describing here are going to also be effective for other skin infections, like thrush, <clears throat> thrush, and uh, <laughs> also like uh, what's it called? Uh, ringworm mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Yep. Um, so, all right, when we're dealing with athlete's foot, uh, like we said earlier, the key thing, the probably most important thing is don't give up, because this can take a while. And I speak from experience here. Um, uh, here, here's my coming out, my admission uh, for the week <laughs> that, uh, that I, I deal with athlete's foot. I, it's my right foot. It's my evil foot. It is. And he has always called it his evil foot. <laughs> it's just, it's just been that way since, uh, since I went to college, I, I can remember it being a thing that I went to like the on-campus clinic and I was like, my foot hurts and is itchy and there's blisters and it's weird. <laughs> and the doctor was like, yeah, I don't know, try this cream, put it on your foot, maybe it'll go away. And it totally didn't. Um, <laughs> that didn't work at all. So um, yeah, I spent a bunch of years kind of ignoring it, mostly. and uh, Or being mad at it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, not really doing much of anything, honestly, which was probably part of the reason why I still struggle with it. Well, uh, that's the thing, though. Like, athlete's foot is just really, really hard. And also, you guys, Elsie is just going bananas over there. I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah. She's having a nice wiggle and scritching her back all over the whatever. Anyway, <laughs> athlete's foot is... Like, it has this stigma around it, and I don't know why. When I tell people I have a diagnosis for MS, and I tell people that I'm managing it holistically, it's like I'm some kind of hero. I don't know. People are always really interested, and they're like, wow, that's so cool. But, like, if you say, well, I have athlete's foot, and I'm managing holistically, it's like, ew. Unclean! (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but I will say that I think the major theme of this whole episode is that it's basically the same. I have to think about what I do to keep myself healthy every day so that I don't have MS symptoms. And that means thinking about what I eat and thinking about if I got enough sleep and making sure that I am able to prioritize sufficient sleep and thinking about 
making sure that I drink some some tea and making sure that I do this and making sure that I do that. Like all the things that need to happen. Of course, that's stuff I think about every day. And I don't know why as a society, when we think about something like athlete's foot, we're like, well, no, it should just go away and never come back again. And I shouldn't ever have to think about it again. You yeah. know, like that's yeah. not how the body works. You, you know, yes, you get a cut, you heal it, it's gone. You never think about it again. Yeah. But chronic things are chronic. Mm. You have yeah. to think about them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've been thinking about my foot a lot lately because, um, as we might have mentioned, uh, in a pretty short time now, a couple, <laughs> couple of weeks, I'm going to be headed off to, um, uh, to New Mexico. No. Yeah. 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 New yeah. 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 Uh, to, uh, um, to do the level three MoveNat certification. So there will be a lot of running around outside. And uh, in preparation, I've been doing a lot of running around outside here. Uh, barefoot and so I've been thinking a lot about my feet and wanting to take care of them and um, so I've been doing a lot of foot soaks lately and that's where it's at it's where it's at yeah yeah and this has been a thing too for me like I've had times since I met Katya and learned about herbs and started to work on this problem this way where I've been like really diligent about doing my foot soaks and if I stick with it then I don't have any problem there's very little flaky skin there's very like not even really any noticeable itch at all um certainly no blistering or anything like that so it's very minor just like a little little drier a little flakier than the other foot but not really a big deal so if i stick with it then that's that's what i can get to and you know so the problem is sticking with it yeah and the Here's the thing, and actually this just sort of fell on my head right now, so it's now about to be my turn to make an admission, um, <laughs> is that when we talk about making sure that I get enough sleep to manage MS and you know that I can do the things I need to do to be healthy, part of that is that in our household we have created a culture that prioritizes sleep. And even if you aren't ready to go to bed when I need to go to bed, you prioritize my need to go to bed and you tuck me in and read me a story. And you guys, <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but it is the best thing ever. And <laughs> like, make sure that if it's cold outside, I have a hot water bottle and whatever. And you take the time to, to actively encourage me and my effort to get the sleep that I need. A foot soak takes like... 15 minutes to set up maybe and then you just sit there with your feet in a bucket of warm water while you watch a movie like it's not that hard but i think what it really comes down to is that we have not created a culture in our household that supports you having a foot bath the same way that we have created a culture in our household that supports me getting sleep Hmm. so i maybe should look into what i can do to support that more (laughs) yeah well, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm in a really good place right now, and a lot of that's come from the um, repeated foot baths. Uh, but there are other ways to work on athlete's foot and other skin infections as well, <clears throat> um, including herbal sprays uh, and also um, salves. So those are um, uh, also some preparations we're going to talk about. But why don't we go ahead and start with a discussion about herbal foot baths and how to do this, and uh, how to choose the right herbs for it. So in our, in our book, uh, Herbal Medicine for Beginners, we had um, a section on this, and uh, we had there an, an athlete's foot bath. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to describe that to you all here so you can get a sense of what the foot bath process is about. And then after that, we'll talk about some other herbs that you might include instead. Yeah, you don't actually need a bathtub to be involved in a foot bath. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what we're going to do here is we're going to start with um, like a half a head of garlic or maybe a whole head of garlic um, and about eight ounces of apple cider vinegar. So you're going to take the garlic and you're going to peel the paper off of it and separate out the cloves. It's fine if there's a little bit of paper left on the individual ones, but like the, the outer paper is most of what you're going to try and get off. So you're going to put that into the blender with the vinegar and liquefy everything. And then just leave it there for about two to four hours. And what's going on here is that um, in garlic, there's a um, there's kind of like these two separate components, and they come together when you crush the garlic, or like when an insect bites the garlic or something. This is the garlic's defense mechanism. So there's a compound called allium and a compound called allionase. And when they um, when the garlic gets crushed or broken or blended in this case, then those two mix and they create this compound called allicin. And allicin is the most antimicrobial and antifungal compound to be gotten out of garlic. Um, that we know about. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's the most famous one. Yeah. So um, what happens when you let it age like this is that you're allowing time for that, that conversion process to take place. And so you're optimizing the, the release or the activation of those antifungal constituents. This also, though, um, reduces the kind of the fieriness or the heat of the garlic, and it makes it less likely to cause some burning or irritation of its own, mm -hmm. which is really the last thing you need uh, when you're dealing with athlete's foot. So um, we've got the garlic and the vinegar. They're all blended up. We, we let them sit there for two to four hours. And then we're going to take um, some other herbs. And in the book, we mentioned calendula and plantain, thyme, and uva ursi. Um, and we'll, again, we'll give you some other options in a moment. But um, take your herbs, and you're going to make a hot infusion with those. Um, and for this, we're going to use like a gallon of water. We're going to use like a whole cup of the herbs total. Um, and so you're going to put that in a pot on the stove and, you know, um, Give that a, a good hot infusion there. Like bring the water up to boiling in the pot mm. and then turn the heat off and dump in your cup of herbs and put the lid on it. There you go. Yeah. Cool. All right. So then you can take that tea um, once it's once it's steeped for like 15 minutes or so. That's enough time. You can take that and pour that into a dish basin um, or some other container like that. Uh, pour the vinegar and garlic mixture into there as well. And then add um, at least a quarter cup of sea salt or Epsom salt. And then, um, you know, see how hot it is. Uh, approach carefully, but, you know, <laughs> uh, put your feet in there and uh, let them soak in there. And I soak for like 20 minutes all the way up to a full hour. Um, you know, it can, get, it can get, you know, cold, but that's fine. It's still doing its work. Well, it's summer, so you probably don't mind if it gets cold at all. Yeah, right now that's totally yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you go ahead and soak in there. And then after soaking, um, you want to dry your feet off and then you're gonna apply one of the sprays or the salves um, that we're gonna, we're gonna talk about a little bit later in this episode. Cool, um, so that's something that you want to do at least once a day. Um, if it's a minor case or you know, kind of a moderate case, if it's pretty severe or there's a lot of trouble going on right now, then you might wanna do this twice a day. 
you know, and if you are in a place with your athlete's foot that you have a lot of cracking and bleeding, mm-hmm. then you might want to leave the vinegar out. Yeah. The thing is, like, the vinegar is awesome and really effective, but if it hurts to put your feet in there, you're not going to want to do it, and you're going to look at this, like, you're going to look forward to it with dread. Yeah. And what we want is to look forward to a foot bath as if, like, oh, it's the end of the day, I get to do something relaxing for myself, instead of, I have to do that thing and it's going to hurt. Right. Like, we don't want to... So yeah. even though the even though vinegar is great, if you have a lot of broken skin... Just leave it out for that period of time. Yeah. And, you know, the vinegar itself has antifungal power. The salt itself has antifungal power. So when we add all these herbs to it, we're, we're kind of amplifying what they do. But, yeah, if, it, if it's going to hurt or if there's bleeding or deep cracks or anything, then, yeah, leave the vinegar out for sure. Um, and you'll be fine. You could be preparing the garlic uh, in the blender just with some water yeah. if you wanted to do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um so that that set of herbs there, the primarily the garlic, um, and then the um, well, vinegar is derived from apples. That's a plant. <laughs> um, and then the you know the uva ursi and the thyme, all of those are are hot and and fiery kind of plants. And so things of that nature are most relevant when, um, particularly if there is like ooziness or if there are some like fluid filled blisters. Um, then that's the time to go with those herbs because they're going to be um, they're going to be astringing. They're going to they're going to tighten things up. Um, but yeah, if there's if there's open blisters there though, then you may want to choose other herbs that are a bit gentler and kinder. I'm thinking about a blend that would be calendula, plantain, chamomile. Maybe turmeric would fit into that category. Mm. Those are all herbs that are gentle from the perspective of it won't sting right you know like they don't have that same heat they're not going to cause a sting um but they all have really strong antifungal action yeah yeah for sure um yeah so you know plantain and calendula in particular and this would apply also to the chamomile you mentioned there um, they're, they're helping here in large part, not so much by killing the fungus, although calendula can calendula do that. Calendula can do that. And yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but part of what they're doing is by encouraging the growth of healthy tissue, right? So you can kill the fungus all you want, but if you have still got a bunch of cracks and, and open wounds and blisters and stuff going on, then you're just likely to pick up another fungus when you go wandering into somebody else's bathroom or, Yeah, know. or some like other opportunistic pathogen. Like, yeah. You could also have some random bacteria in there and some random whatever else in there. And right. having having the vulnerary action of encouraging the skin to heal and also the antimicrobial action from chamomile and plantain, yep. like all around, you're, that's a really broad spectrum action. The antifungal from the calendula plus the vulnerary action. The plantain has the vulnerary action, plus it'll break up any biofilms that may have gotten in there. And then the chamomile also has a broad spectrum antimicrobial action. Yeah. Um, so that's still really strong. And again, the key is just you want this to be something pleasant because you need to do it every day. Right. Yeah. And when we say strong, remember that we're thinking of at least a cup full of herbs per gallon of water when you make the infusion there. Um when I make this without garlic, I might use two cups of herbs mm. per gallon of water because mm-hmm. the garlic is power, you know, garlic, yeah. garlic is serious. But um, but yeah, so you, you want to make sure that you're making this strong enough. And that is one place where sometimes 
um, you know, I hear back from students and I, they tell me, oh, I tried this herb and it didn't really help. And I'm like, all right, well, how much? How much water? How long did you soak for? Things like that can really make a huge difference in how successful your preparation is. Mm. You had mentioned turmeric a minute ago, and that's really one of my absolute favorites lately um, because turmeric and certain other plants will stain your skin. And you might say, Rin, why is that? Why is that appealing? Why? Well, it is pretty funny. You, sometimes you walk around and your feet are just like neon orangey yellow. Yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun because I, I had a turmeric soak the night before. Yeah, um, but the thing is that when herbs stain your feet, and especially herbs that are that are also known to be antifungal, like like the black, um, sorry, like the the turmeric and. Um, and I was thinking of black walnut there that, mm-hmm. that operates similarly. Henna. And also henna, yeah. 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 Um, so when they stain your feet, it's not like it's just a color compound and all it does is make colors. No, that's, that's <laughs> not the way plant chemistry works. Um, the color compounds that stain your feet actually carry much of the antifungal power that we're looking for here. Mm-hmm. And as long as the color is in your feet, the chemistry is there in your feet. And as long mm-hmm. as the chemistry is there, the protection is there. So, um, as far as, as far as the anthropologists can tell, um, the application of henna to, to the feet originally began for these kind of protective, uh, purposes. Which also makes sense if you look at the environment where henna grows. It's, it's like warm and moist Mm -hmm. and like, it's kind of a, a really good place for fungal foot stuff to happen. Um... And so those traditional, like the earliest traditional designs for henna on the feet covered the whole bottom of the foot and then it had like maybe one simple stripe above and maybe like a couple of dots or something. They weren't, sure. they yeah. weren't like the crazy beautiful designs that we do now. They were, um, they were still beautiful just in their own way. <laughs> uh, yeah. But they weren't like the intricate designs that we do now. But if you are out there thinking oh, well, that's great that turmeric is good for your feet, but I can't go out in public with my feet glowing yellow. Well, you could go out in public with fancy henna designs on your feet yeah. and go ahead and coat the whole bottom of the foot as as is traditional and then make any design you want any way you want so that you feel like you have beautiful feet, yeah. which also you might really like to feel. It was We did this at our wedding. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Why do I not henna your feet every week? <laughs> what is my problem? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, turmeric and henna. And, um, you know, again, with henna, usually you're going to, like, make the paste with it and paint that on and do the mehendi thing where you where you uh, draw the little floral designs and all of that. Um, and that's great. <clears throat> but you can also just put it into the mix and soak yep. right in it. It won't be quite as bright and vibrant that way, but it, it does it does uh, stain you, and that that protection lasts. Yeah. So those are definitely worth considering in your mixture. Um, we okay. Also, if you had if you did have a state that was really cracked and especially was really dry and also flaky and everything, then you might instead choose to work with um, some softening, moistening herbs. Uh, that themselves can convey some antifungal quality. Mm. So um, the one that I tend to think of first there is seaweeds. Um, you know, take some brown seaweed, like some kelp or some bladder rack, and rehydrate that. And then either, you know, just put that in and, and soak in it, or um, just rehydrate it enough that you can wrap it all around your foot and mm. uh, let it kind of seep in that way. 
<laughs> that's uh, if you hear that thumping sound, that's Elsie. Um, With she her likes, rope toy. Yeah, she likes to kind of whip that around and be very impressive. She's here, you guys. Yes, you've heard. She wants. She wants you to know that uh, she loves you. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So seaweed applications can be really fantastic. Um, and you know, if you're like, well, why would seaweed need to fight fungi? You guys, it's in the ocean. Everything is in the ocean. Yeah. Right? There's fungi floating around in the ocean. There's bacteria swimming around in there. Everything is happening. So these plants, they have to defend themselves, and they don't. They don't have like a separate defense organ or whatever. They have to. The whole thing has to be defensive in mm-hmm. that way. So so we can take advantage of that. Um, so seaweeds are great, and then marshmallow. Marshmallow is is you know as I think we've said on some other podcasts, yes. it's just chronically underestimated in terms of antimicrobial power in the broad spectrum, including some fungal issues. And I was just reading a write up about marshmallows biofilm busting action, mm-hmm. and again, like it's bacteria that form biofilms when we're talking specifically about the quorum sensing action, but. Uh, I suspect that all the different pathogens have, definitely, have def- figured yeah. out that they can glom together. Yeah, I've seen some, I feel like I've seen some write-ups, I might have been dreaming maybe, but I feel like I've seen some about fungal biofilms, mm-hmm. I believe it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, don't think that like, oh, well that biofilm busting action is only going to be helpful if I really have a bacteria going on. No, uh, it's going to be helpful for all the things. Plus, there's so much that we haven't discovered yet. They didn't even know biofilms were a thing until really recently. Hmm. And anyway, I could, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Um, but you were talking about the softer, gentler side of herbs for your feet. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so um, soaking in seaweed, soaking in marshmallow. And those ones, you know, if you do soak in them, you're going to want to be using cool water rather than starting with that boiling water. Um, because the constituents from these, they come out a lot better into cool water than hot. Yeah. Okay, so a bunch of different options there for soaking your feet in. Um, So let's look at a couple of other preparations that could be helpful here. So one that's handy and portable is a spray. So when I make this, this is usually a mixture of tinctures um, that I put into a little little spritzer bottle. and um, occasionally I'll also add um, a few drops of some essential oils as well to kind of boost it up a little bit. So um, many of the herbs we've already discussed could work here. You could include tinctures of garlic or, you know, thyme, oregano, monarda, um, all those kind of, you know, hot, um, stimulating uh, mint family plants like that. Um, You can also put in... Uh, tinctures of your plantain, of your calendula, of um, of the turmeric. You can put all that right into there. That's fine. Um, so a couple that we haven't quite mentioned yet. Um, one that we um, work with in this context often is uva ursi. And, you know, we were talking about turmeric a little while ago, about how it's helpful for fighting infection and, and protecting wounds and everything. Um, and I feel like Western herbalists don't really talk about that very much, but... Whenever we have students with family tradition from places where turmeric is in all the food, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is really a pretty big part of the world, honestly, yeah. um, then usually they're like, oh yeah, my grandmother was always trying to put turmeric on my cuts and scrapes and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's much more you know, understood as useful in a topical sense there. 
And I feel like something similar goes on with Uva Ursi, where a lot of uh, a lot of us herbalists will pigeonhole Uva Ursi as that's that thing you take when you have a UTI. And, yeah. And you know, it's it's great. It's very effective there. Um, but when you um, when you take it and put it on a wound or on a, an infected area like like athlete's foot, then uh, Uva Ursi's antimicrobial powers are delivered right there where you need them. So this is another one with biofilm busting activity along with direct antimicrobial um, c- capacity. And um, it's just very effective when you're coping with an issue like this. So that's one. Um, I also sometimes include tincture of Darko there. And this is another herb that I'll often include into the soaks as well. Um, same thing with Uva Ursi. Uh, Darko is um, a South American herb and it's a pretty strong antifungal. Um, so it's really, um, it's really quite worth considering. I honestly haven't done too much else with it other than topical antifungal, um, applications. Uh, you know, that is one also that I've worked with for, um, HPV Hmm. and that sort of, um, I don't know. It feels like cousins, yeah. You know, they're not, but... It's a viral but issue. It's still, but it's yeah. it still feels like it's uh, another, like, tenacious thing mm-hmm. you got to pay attention to. Right, you know? right, yeah. So there, you know, with the with the viral thing, it's more about stimulating some uh, some of your own immune response to go and find the viral cells. And, and you know, certainly that, that kind of activity is relevant to any sort of infection, you know. Mm. When, we're, when we're coping with infection, yeah, herbs to kill the fungus in this case, that's useful. But your immune system is already trying to do that. So herbs that activate or stimulate immunity or support what your immune system is doing, those also have a direct um, utility here. Mm. Yeah. Um, black walnut tincture works really well in sprays um, that will still stain your feet. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, just Don't be wear aware. your brand it, new white socks. It especially um, stains your fingernails or your toenails, actually. Um, if you work with black walnut spray and you do that consistently, your, your nails will turn brown um, mm-hmm. over time. So don't worry, they're not going to fall off or anything. They, sh- <laughs> they should still feel, you know, sturdy. But, um, and in fact, you know, w- with a fungal um, foot infection like this, the, the brittleness of the nails is a real problem. Uh-huh. Um, they, can, they can really lose their integrity. So, um, you know, the fact that the nail itself is now saturated with um, black walnut antifungal power is actually That's actually really a good. good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so it's, it's distantly derived from a plant, but propolis, (laughs) propolis is a, uh, is a bee gift. Um, propolis is basically what happens when bees go out and gather resins, um, like pine resin, for instance, from the trees to, um, bring back home and, um, they do some bee magic on it (laughs) and, uh, they process it into this. Um, dark, sticky substance called propolis, which is powerfully antimicrobial and powerfully antifungal. Um, a beehive is a place that definitely doesn't want any fungal overgrowths happening. Yeah. Um, bees themselves are really sensitive to that kind of a threat. Uh, and so the propolis, one of its major jobs is really to prevent just that kind of infection. If you think of a beehive as corporeal you know like if you imagine a beehive as a as a body that is made of many smaller parts um then propolis is like the immune system yeah you know yeah totally which actually 
That's the function that those resins are serving in the trees. In the tree, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Nice. Yeah. And, and specifically, even it, like in the trees, the resin specifically is fighting fungus yep. in the trees because fungal rot is a huge problem when a tree gets a wound. So it's like we're all solving these same problems, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So propolis is a great inclusion there. Um, usnea is another strong herb to include in a, in a spray like this. Um, and uh, usnea is a, uh, it's a lichen that is a, a synergistic um, cooperation between an, an alga and a fungus. It's a collab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you might be saying, wait, it's a fungus. Wait, I have a fungal problem. Oh, no. Um, but, you know, fungi compete with each other, right? Yeah. Uh, first of all, so um, so there's that. But, but uh, you know, they're not, like, happy to, to live side by side. But also when you, when you make tincture of your lichen, which has a fungus as a component of it, you're, like, several steps removed from a... <laughs> from the from, actual... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but in any case, usnea is a, a real strong agent here. Um, and uh, it works it works quite well in a tincture. If you make your own tincture of usnea, understand that there are a couple of extra steps you need to, to do here. Um, like this is not one that you just pull off of the tree and stuff into a jar and pour alcohol on. You need to first of all really um, shred it or chop it or run it through a blender even um, to expose the inner cortex. And then you also are gonna want to apply heat. Um, and of course applying heat to something with alcohol and potential alcohol fumes can be very dangerous, so you need a safe space to do that. Um, when I heat our usnea tinctures, I do it on an electric hot plate under uh, a ventilation hood. Mm. So, um, you know, that's that's the way to go there. I suppose a hot water bath in a crock pot yeah. with ventilation yeah. Would, yeah. Um, would be a pretty safe way also. Yeah. Yeah, just don't light your cigarettes near it. You'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your herbal cigarettes from a few episodes ago. Yeah. Great. <laughs> herbal smokes, then. There we go. Right. Yeah. Here. All right. Um, so yeah, so Usni is a great uh, agent to include there. This is also a place we love to put loose strife. Oh my goodness, loose strife. Purple How loose strife. Much I love you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, this was one that we first got turned on to for topical applications. Um, because we were we were away from home. We were traveling. We were traveling. We were with uh, Katya's daughter Amber, and um, we didn't have all the stuff we usually have to, to help her deal with her feet, because um, she had she had just always had a lot of a lot of troubles she, there. Yeah, she struggled with athlete's foot as well. Yeah, um, and what we had in our little tiny carry first aid kits was some throat spray, and it was from Honey Gardens, and it was mostly propolis. Um, but at the time, was propolis. Usnea and loose strife. Right, because back at the back in the day, they used to include purple loose strife in their formula. They later had to change it for sad reasons, but yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So we were like, well, I don't know. We'll try this. It's got propolis in it. It's got usnea. It seems good, um, and that worked great. And so we were like, hey, loose strife. Well, and then we later we they reformulated. They took the loose strife out, and. Um, it didn't work nearly as well, and I was like, "Hold on a minute." And and to be fair, like they were marketing this as a throat spray for cold and flu and so on, and this was a very different application. But right, yeah, when they replaced loose strife with licorice, it was not quite as good as no, a, not as a at all. And so then we started making loose strife tincture individually, and we were like, "Hold on, this is this is where it's at." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really like to include that into there. 
Um, if you have tons of loose strife growing in some waterways that you trust around you, this could also be one that you, you know, harvest and dry and include in your in your foot soaks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fantastic that way as well. All right, um, another one that I put into the sprays is willow. Um, so willow is a little bit different um, because here um, it's more of a cooling herb, and so many of these other ones we've looked at have been warming um, in their in their nature. Um, you know, henna's cooling, I don't know, black walnut's cooling, but a lot of these other plants have a warm nature to them. But So willow is um, quite anti-inflammatory, so if your athlete's foot has a lot of redness and swelling to it, then willow is definitely one you want to include in there. Um, and the salicylic acid compounds, the salicylates found in willow, are, you guessed it, antifungal. <laughs> um, they work really well for that kind of thing, so I really love including that in the mixture. Um, and then we have our berberine containing plants. So these are the yellow gold, um, colored herbs that are not turmeric. (laughs) Right. Um, so we're thinking here of things like barberry and Oregon grape root. Um, if you live, uh, in like the Southern half of the country, you may have algarita or some folks call it agarita, um, growing, um, there's uh, golden seal, of course, but we don't really turn to that for this this kind of situation, right? Um, because you're going to be going through quite a, a substantial amount of this uh, tincture, and with golden seal, we prefer to only use small amounts whenever we do work with it. Just because that plant is at risk and endangered. Yeah. Um, in any case, really, any of these berberine-containing herbs um, are going to be very helpful. Uh, berberine is a strong antimicrobial, but it's not just for bacteria. Um, mm. Berberine does fight fungi, and uh, you know, so it's a another one to include in the mix here. Yeah. Um, and of course, berberine is not the only antifungal or antimicrobial component in any of these plants. They each have their own um, complement of related alkaloids um, as well. So there's a lot going on with those ones. Yeah. Um, so again, plenty of options, and don't feel like you need the entire list, right? Um, any of those that you have available. Um, or even singles of those you can apply um, as a spritz. Or if you don't have a spray bottle, you can you can take a dropper full and put it on your rub foot. Rub it on. Rub it all around. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. And also, it's good to switch it up. Like, mm-hmm. we've talked about a ton of herbs already, but it's good to switch them up. So, yeah, you and, know. And when I, when I make, you know, I, I go to the, the apothecary, our, our, our office, our, our herb school space, and, you know, I'll bring my jar there and I'll be like, all right, Let's make up my next batch of uh, foot bath herbs or bring my spray bottle and say, all right, what, what am I going to pour in here this time? Mm. And it's always different, um, you know, to basically treat the, the fungus like the Borg, if anybody, <laughs> I guess that's kind of dating me at this point. Um, Only but, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so you have, to, you have to switch up your approach. You can't always come at it with the same ugh, weapon. Um, <laughs> it's the same strategy, let's say. Um, you want to kind of keep it guessing. So, so we I do prepare this differently every time, and I, I kind of just keep, you know, something like this list of herbs in my mind. Um, run my eyes along the shelf and grab a little of this, a little of that, and do it again a, a bit differently every time. Um, whether that's because you know this time there's a lot of a lot of fluid stagnation there, and I'm really like, all right, yeah, willow, alder, calendula you know, uva ursi, those are going to be really important now. Um, or if it's like, you know, super, super red and hot and itchy, um, then, 
yeah, I'm going to really make sure I've got that that uh, black walnut or usnea in the mix. But, you know, um, varying for variation's sake alone is a good enough reason. Well, because then you're getting a much broader spectrum of action. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and I mentioned that sometimes I'll add some essential oils to this. Um, not too much, um, but, you know, a few drops of, of this and that can be really handy there. Um, tea tree is one that um, is very uh, famous as a hopical antifungal. Um, one thing to keep in mind uh, is that you can overdo it with essential oils. And so um, the best way to do that is to apply them undiluted directly to your skin. And <laughs> Please I, don't do that. I think when I first uh, started learning about plants, I, I definitely did that. You did. You got this big thing of tea tree oil. Yeah. And I was putting it on there like three or four times a day. And uh, I, I think I caused more inflammation than I solved yeah, <laughs> with that I mean, approach. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it did dry it out a lot more. And, you know, so you, you cross a point where it's uh, no longer helpful. But anyway, yeah, just a just a couple drops in your spray bottle is totally sufficient. Yeah, essential oils are potent. They're mighty. Yeah. So, but anyway, all that said, um, you know, working with measured amounts, tea tree is really fantastic in there. Um, I've also included rosemary essential oil here, and um, thuja or um, you know eastern red cedar, and uh, cinnamon. Cinnamon is a really good one. Yes. And again, cinnamon is one that you could have tincture in your spray bottle. You could have um, cinnamon. Right into your into your foot bath, your foot soak. It's an excellent antifungal agent. Um, you could even take powdered cinnamon and a little bit of water or a little bit of any of these tinctures and make a paste with that. Put that all over the foot and let that let that soak in for a while. Um, you know, work with what you've got. Work mm-hmm. with what's around. If you're traveling away and that old you know thing on your foot that you thought was taken care of starts to itch up and whatever. Go to somebody's kitchen and get some cinnamon powder out of there and, yep. you know, shake a little all over your foot at least. And <laughs> You can even, um, like, shake it into your socks mm-hmm. so that you have that um, kind of, you're just grinding around on it whenever you walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, so we've talked about soaks and sprays. So the last thing I wanted to discuss was salve. So a salve, if you're um, unfamiliar, is basically... Um, you take some herbs that have been extracted into oil. So you've got some herb-infused oils. And then you add to that some uh, beeswax to thicken it up. Um, not too much. And especially if, you're, if you know you're preparing one for athlete's foot you're going to, or other skin infections, you're going to um, go easy on the wax so that this is a thinner salve. Maybe somewhere, like the consistency you end up with should be somewhere kind of close to like Vaseline. Um, not too much thicker than that. You don't want a ton of wax in the mix. Um, um, if it was a really hard salve with lots and lots of wax in there, it can just prevent the, the skin from breathing. Yeah. Um, and that could be really problematic. So um, just small amounts of wax here. Another solution, though, that I like when I'm, when I'm preparing one like this is to start with an oil that's a little more solid at room temperature. And fortunately, uh, coconut oil, which behaves that way, is also antifungal in its own right. Um, even just applying coconut oil to um, fungally infected areas is a decent way to, to fight them off. So when I make a salve and I know it's for this purpose, then I'm going to start with coconut oil. And you end up, you still need to use a little bit of wax because coconut oil, once you've heated it, it doesn't quite um, gel up 
uh, at the same yeah. temperatures as it used to. Um, but you can use fairly small amounts of wax and you can still get a, a decent sab out of it. So we're going to infuse our oil here um, really with, again, almost any of the herbs we've mentioned so far. Remember, um, there was one time that you did a turmeric-infused coconut oil. Yeah. And it was like the yellowest, yellowest, orangiest salve ever. Yeah. It was yeah. good. It works really, really, really well. There's a couple of plants that don't really have oil-soluble constituents. You know, the black walnut, eh, not so much. Um, uh, willow, yeah, not really a great one to do in, a, in an oil extraction. The berberine herbs, barberry and so on, not really so great in, in oil extracts, but um, most of the others are going to work out great. Um, I want to put another shout-out here for calendula because that's uh, a really good herb to do in an oil extraction, and it makes a great salve. Um, carries all those qualities of fighting the fungus, healing the skin underneath. So that's great. And then another one that I'll often include in these is going to be um, uh, is going to be chaparral. Um, so chaparral is a really powerful herb. Um, and what I like about chaparral is that um, it's not powerful in the way of garlic, where you know the more power of garlic you include, the more likely you are to have collateral damage <laughs> <laughs> onto your onto your uh, your healthy parts of the skin. Um, chaparral is one that you can uh, you can get a lot of potency out of, um, but it doesn't damage the tissue. It actually helps to heal tissue as well. So I really um, I really do like coconut oil infused with chaparral, um, and then maybe some other herbs um, as well, and then make that into your salve, and you are good to go. Um, when you make a salve, so you start with the oil, you warm it gently, you put in your herbs, um, you continue to warm it for several hours to allow the, the herb constituents to extract um, and get into the oil, and then you'll strain that out, and then put that um, back into a pot, again on low heat, and you'll add in a little bit of wax, um, and you can like take off, um, uh, you can like spoon some out into a shot glass and put it in the freezer for a little while, um, for like a few minutes and then take it out. And that should give you a good sense of how firm it's going to be, um, when it comes down to room temperature. It's a way to kind of test how much, do I need to add a little more wax? Do I need to add more oil, um, to balance out that, that quality of it. Um, and then once you've got it to where you want it and you're going to put it into the, the container you're going to get it out of, um, first of all, make sure you choose a container that you're going to be able to reach down to the bottom of, <laughs> like not a tall, thin, narrow um, jar, but a short, squat, wide mouth one is good here. Um, and when you put it into the jar, if you're going to add essential oils to your salve, this is the moment to do it, not before. If you add them while it's still on the stovetop or on the warmer, um, then they're going to evaporate away from you. So you wait until you've got it into its jar, um, add your essential oils there, give it a good stir, close it up tight, and then give it some time to firm up, and then you'll be able to work with that. So um, like I said before, I really like to apply salve like that after a soak um, because now the skin is warm, it's open, um, it's ready to accept everything you put on it. So, you know, dry off the foot real good and then put the salve on there. Let that soak right in. Um, that's really fantastic. Um, and that's, that's what. So you've got your soaks in the evenings, your salve after that. You can apply the salve in the morning too um, or before you put on your socks, you know, like after a shower. 
And I mean, you can have a soak in the morning too, any time of day, really. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of our students, um, uh, Heather, she started the her little um, company, Plant Soak. Right. And um, one of the things that she recommends uh, for people who are too busy to soak their feet is to um, prepare your soak and then um, put it in its in its like uh, dish basin and then um, stand in it while you take your shower. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If you are trying to start a meditation habit, then you can um, get your soak all ready. And, you know, you don't have to sit cross-legged on the floor to meditate. You can sit in a chair. It's totally <laughs> fine. Yeah. And then you could be soaking your feet while you're having your meditation. Yeah. Um, if you do watch a TV show or if you like to watch online herbal courses... Yes. <laughs> then yeah. you can do a foot soak then. It's You can read. This can be the 20 minutes in your day where you do some Materia Medica study. Yeah. You know? It's really it really is just about setting up the habit. Yeah. None of it actually takes that long. Yeah, for me it got easier when I started keeping everything in one defined place in the kitchen. Like we've got a stool and underneath there's the dish basin and in there are my jars of the herbs that I use and everything else. So, or the herbs I work with, and everything else is in there. So, yeah, so all you have to do is pull that one thing out. Yep. I've commandeered one of the pots. That's my foot, foot, foot soak brewing pot, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. mostly. So, yeah. yeah. Those kind of things make a huge difference. And again, the, the diligence here, the, the consistency is super key. So, that's why I like having, like, you've got your soak, you try to do it every single day. Um, but if you miss some days, you're traveling, you know, who knows what. You've got your spray, and I should say, those sprays you apply many times in the day, not just the once, but yeah. repeatedly, right? Um, you know, if you're at work, like, take, go to the bathroom, do whatever you need to do to get a little privacy, take your socks off, spritz it all around, you know, rub the sab into there. And at that point, put on a fresh pair of socks. Yeah, you know? yeah. Right, yeah. And in general, you know, anytime you're dealing with a fungal issue like this, keeping the foot, or, or if it's skin somewhere else, keeping it um, mostly dry, um, you know, aside from when you've got herbal powered moisture on there, <laughs> um, you know, and clean and all that, that's, that's obviously really critical. Um, you know, um, on the other hand, not entirely the other hand, but I do want to put in one small comment here, um, that I think that this got a lot easier to manage when I started spending more time barefoot. Um, you know, yeah. I, I live here in the city, but I do walk barefoot most places nowadays and... I feel like getting sunlight on the skin, getting fresh air on the skin, um, even walking in soil in places where I know that it's clean and healthy, um, and believe it or not, there are some of those right here in the middle yeah, of the city. Yeah, there are. Um, I feel like those things help as well. And I've certainly ad- observed over the years that any time that I can go and um, have my feet in salt water many times a day, that makes a huge difference. So when we go to the ocean, then I'll sit by the ocean for a while and soak my feet there, I'll take a long walk along the beach in the surf and Mm -hmm. that always helps for a few days afterwards yeah yeah well i want to come back to this concept of creating a culture of support and i want to come back to it so much that actually i want to do the next podcast about it (laughs) um but i i just want to say a few things here that we sort of have this expectation in our culture that we just like do one thing and we'll be better. And, you know, like, 
well, I have an infection, so I'll take this one antibiotic, and then my infection will go away, and I will be better. And um, it's not like that. <laughs> it's not like that ever, really, for anything, actually. But um, but it. So I, I guess I just want to say the more that we create within our own homes a culture of supporting one another in doing the things that we need to do to keep our bodies healthy, um, the, the better that we'll be at it. And sometimes, especially at the end of the day, you're tired and you don't want to take the extra time or the extra energy to do whatever it is that you need to do to take care of your body. Um, whether that is I'm going to do some yoga before I go to bed or I'm going to soak my feet or I'm going to go to bed on time or I'm going to eat some vegetables tonight, whatever it is, um, sometimes you're just tired. And if if you create a, a culture in your own home of supporting one another through that, then maybe one person is kind of too tired to really do it. But the other person is like, oh, hey, I'm making my tea. Can I make one for you too? Yeah. And Or whatever it takes to just kind of help each other to do this work. Definitely. Animals do that. Yeah. You know, animals help each other take care of each other all the time. Oh, man. Ethel and Lucy, our uh, our most recent cats. Yes. Um, who, who live with us now. They're a mother and a daughter pair. And... Um, it's charming. They'll 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 come and groom each other, and like Ethel will walk into the room and be like, "All right, Lucy, time for your bath," and just like, you know, tangle together with her and, yes. and lick her all over. And and they, they they like groom each other simultaneously. Like one will groom the other's neck, and the other grooms the other's paw and stuff. It's, it, yes. it's amazing. And then they purr. Yeah. So I. So when I or say, the birds, those birds up there who are on every episode of our podcast, basically, that's they're, true. They're always taking care of each other. Yep, they groom each other too. It's just, it's we're animals. It's okay for us to take care of each other, just like cats and birds do. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, right, that's something I I'm, I want to talk about a lot more. I think. <laughs> All right, so uh, just to round it up here. Um, you're dealing with athlete's foot, or remember, this could be thrush, this could be ringworm, other kind of fungal infection. You're soaking or applying compresses. If it's something you can't soak, you're doing that at least once a day, twice a day for serious cases. Um, when you're out there the rest of the day, you're applying your spray several times, you're applying your salve. Um, you're really staying on top of this thing, and that that's the way to go, right? That's the difference between success and failure here. Um, that plus, remember, that idea we had about varying the herbs that you work with, um, switching it up um, both by what you need to have happen or what, what's presenting um, on the skin, and then also just the variation to, <laughs> to, to keep the fungus on their toes and off of yours. Right? <laughs> yeah, I can't that's, believe you said that. <laughs> that's, my, that's my pun today. I'm, I'm keeping it. I think every time I talk about this from now on, I'm going to have to bring that one out. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. All right. So that's what. Um, as always, if you have questions, go ahead and drop us an email, and uh, we will be happy to chat with you further. But before we close out for today, we have our shout-outs. Yes. So first to Julie Henson Herbalist on Instagram. Hello, hello. <laughs> Shout-out to you. Uh, we have one to Green Daisy Muse on Instagram, who loved the lymphatic herbs episode. Hey, all right. Lymphatic herbs, you guys, they're so important. If you didn't they hear that are. one, then scroll back a bit in your feed here and uh, 
Yeah, have a listen. Love your lymph, yeah. Yeah. Um, New Hampshire, well, NH Botanicals, um, I'm interpreting that that's New Hampshire, uh, says they're a huge fan, yay, and that they're a fan of Sweet Fern as well. And hey, we are too. We really love Sweet Fern. And that's a plant that You know, I, that that could work. That could go yes. in one of your antifungal preparations. It has yes. some nice astringency to it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, to Camila Beetroot, Beetroot on Instagram. And also to Tyler, who is excited to start studying herbalism and says they've listened to almost every episode of the podcast over the past two weeks, which is excellent. Wow. That's like dedication. Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) And also a shout out to Sherry um, on Facebook and I Believe in Parrots on Instagram, both of whom liked the Winter Elixir episode. And I wanted to share that I am super excited to say that the new cold and flu course is ready. Um, It is available on our website for the introductory price of $25. And it's got our whole winter elixir recipe in there. But this weekend I filmed a video um, of how I made this year's batch step by step. So I just have to finish editing it and then I'll put that into the course. So probably like on Monday it'll go in there. And like all of our courses, anytime that we add material to to a course, everyone who has already purchased that course gets all of the new material that we've added directly in their account for free. You don't even have to do anything. It just shows up magically. So if you already have the cold and flu course, watch on like Monday because that new video is going to be in there. Um, and if you loved the Winter Elixir episode of the podcast, then you might like the Cold and Flu course because there's going to be a video of exactly how to make that. Yeah. And there's a link to that course right here in your show notes. So it should be super easy to find. Excellent. All right. Cool. Well, that's it for us this week. Yes. And uh, we'll be back next time with some more Holistic Herbalism podcast for you. Till then, drink your tea, soak your feet, <laughs> take care of each other. Yes, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Why do we wave at the microphone? You have to wave at it or it doesn't count. We wave at the microphone every single time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like this. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> We're so silly. Bye.